here. Good morning to you. Great to see you. Uh, I'm really excited about this new series that we started last week. It's called Pop Solutions, and the idea is, is that sometimes in our society, we uh, learn things or understand things that we assume are what the Bible teaches. Uh, I'm, I remember growing up with the phrase, uh, the good Lord helps those who help themselves. That's not in the Bible. But we all thought it was in the Bible. And so what we want to be able to do in this series is look at things that are popular in our culture, solutions to life's problems, and then uh, compare and contrast that with what the Bible actually teaches. And so today we're looking at the topic of image versus identity. So let's begin by looking at the issue of image. When you hear that word image, what do you think of? Uh, when I think about it, I think about it kind of being fake. Uh, if somebody says they're putting on an image, then that means that it's not really who they are. They're just putting on something in order to impress me or um, feel good about themselves. But usually the idea of image has a really negative connotation. Um, but what's funny about it is that even though we typically view the idea of image as being fake, I think we all participate in it. It's called social media. And uh, what we typically do is try to present ourselves in the best possible way. So uh, when I look at all you on, on, on social media, you guys are amazing. Like amazing. I just want to know you all and go on all your trips and eat all of your food and meet all of your friends uh, because it's just perfect. There's nothing ever going wrong. I don't know what's going outside of the frame, but inside of that frame, it is incredible. So congratulations on a life well presented. Uh, um, so, we, so we can have this, uh, we can kind of resent image, but really we all try to live up to something, don't we? There's kind of a picture of who we hope we would be and how we want other people to see us. And so that's what we portray. Now, there's another way of looking at image as well that is just as true, but maybe not as public. And that is that we all have kind of a undesirable self-image. I don't think there's anybody that, that, you know, looks in the mirror or thinks about themselves and go, perfection. <laughs> I'm done now. I don't think anybody has ever said that. Um, there's things that we believe about ourselves and think about ourselves that is kind of the collection of experiences and ideas that we've had over the years, and we have kind of a caricature of who we think we are and it's often not that great. Uh, I can remember two caricatures of myself, and this is going back uh, more than a few years, uh, grade five to be exact. And I remember in grade five, it was you know, important for me. I remember uh, it was awards day. And uh, uh, I got a bunch of awards for athletics and for uh, academics and those kinds of things. And my mother is in the crowd and she overhears another mother talking to another mother. And uh, if you can follow all that. And uh, this is what she overhears. She goes, that Mitchell boy gets all the awards. And so then she comes home and tells me this. Well, this was outstanding. Uh, my image was looking really, really great in that moment. And I just owned all of that. And finally, people knew who I really was deep inside, you know. Uh, and so this was the, this was the image. Now, flash... Uh, flash forward uh, two years later, 
uh, in grade six, that was grade five, grade six, I become a Christian, uh, managed uh, by the grace of God to lose all of my friends. And, uh, and so now I'm in grade seven, and I have no friends. So I am from the most popular kid to now the, uh, a kid who sits alone in class while everybody else is out playing, get ready to go ah, you know. But, uh, but everybody else is, out, uh, else is out playing, and I'm alone in class. I became a very good drawer. I just, I had become an entirely different person. I'd become an introvert. Uh, I had changed an image of who I thought I was. So uh, these images are these caricatures of who we imagine ourselves to be. And if you can see, it's really quite random. What does an awards day have to do with who I really am? Or what is the opinion of a few other grades six and seven kids? How can they ever capture who God has made me to be? Yet these are the images and caricatures that we embrace about ourselves. So um, where do we see this idea of image in the Bible? Well, in Luke chapter 20, verse 46, uh, this is what it says. And I think I need help again. Oh, it's not here. So you can take over. Here's what it says in Luke tw- in 20, verse 46. Beware of the teachers of the law. They like to walk around in flowing robes and love to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and have the most important seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at banquets. So you have this group of people who are, uh, we're going to notice this, they're the teachers of the law. And these people love presenting an image of who they imagine themselves to be. And it's an image of honor and respect. They expect that when they would walk in the room, they would get preferential treatment. That's how they saw themselves. And it's the image that they wanted to have upheld wherever they went. Now, what I'd like you to notice is how being image-based... These are a group of people who wanted to to look a certain way and have you treat them in a certain way, so that's image, right? These image-based people, that there's a correlation between being image-based and being law-based. Both of these things have to do with an external presentation of ourselves, how we value ourselves and how we value others. Uh, People, follow me now on this, people who are image-based care a lot about the law. Now, don't think of the law simply in terms of uh, Old Testament rules. Think of it in terms of standards of acceptance, ways to behave so that other people will appreciate us, accept us, and value us. And so people who are image-based have, which is called all of us, but we have uh, uh, an idea in our head that if I do this, this, and this, then I'm going to look good. And if you do this, this, and this, then I'm going to accept you. But our idea of image is all wrapped up in kind of these unspoken rules of what it will take to be externally accepted and to look good in front of others. How can you tell if you are image or law-based? How can you tell? And of course, we're all a mixture of these things. But uh, I'd like to present two ideas. Uh, The first is that if we're law or image-based we experience condemnation. We'll get to a verse that supports this in a little while. 
But the idea here is that if we live according to rules, uh, an external image, we know we never really quite live up. We know that. And try as we might, we try to memorize what God likes or what other people like, and we, we try our best to, to, to do what we think people want of us, and we present ourselves in a particular way, but we know deep inside it's not true. We know it's just an image. We know it's not real. And so we live in this disconnect between what we think we should be and what others want us to be and who we know we really are inside. And it drives us crazy. Um, sometimes I, 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 I get to travel around and, uh, and then people get to know me. And sometimes when you're on stage, they think you're a different person than normal people, right? It's super funny. Uh, like, really? But anyways, and so they, so they talk to me in a particular way, in a way that's very uh, complimentary. Wow, when you said that, I'd never heard it that way before. And, and uh, so they think they're being nice to me, and it's nice to be complimented, of course. But here's what I'm thinking inside. You don't know me. Like, when I talk, it's a theory. <laughs> like, I don't actually live it out. I mean, I'm trying, don't get me wrong, but... It's not true. Like, I mean, it's true, but it's not true, right? Like, I'm just, I'm just saying what I think the Bible's saying, and we're all trying to get there. But it's not anything more than that. And so, even when somebody affirms you, it actually reinforces that you know who you really are, and it actually condemns you. Number two is we're judgmental toward others. That uh, people who live under the weight of law and image, otherwise known as myself, are very judgmental toward other people because the way that we judge ourselves and always fail is the way that we judge others, and they also always fail. And so we have expectations of how people should respond to us and what they should think and say and how we should be treated. And so uh, law and image go really well with condemnation and judgment. They go really well together. And if you find yourself having condemning thoughts, if you find yourself being judgmental towards others, odds are high there's a way that you view yourself in the world that is law-based, image-based, instead of you know, what we're going to get to in a minute. But it's helpful to have a criteria to know whether we're really, you know, how do we know if we're just being law-based, image-based, external people? Well, condemnation and judgmentalism are clues. Here's a, a picture that I just, I think is funny. Uh, you're making it difficult for me to be the parent I always imagined I would be. <laughs> I just love that. I just love how caringly she's saying that and how... I think he's interested, but it's probably going in one ear and out the other. But, you know, they're having a moment. And uh, if you would smarten up, I could be all who I imagine myself being as a parent. That's, a, that's an image-based life. And I think we all live there to varying degrees. So, what is the pop solution? So, everybody knows that just living 
an external image-based life isn't ideal. I think everybody knows that. Uh, so what's the popular solution to getting out of that? Now, if you've been in Western culture for very long, there's a, a phrase that people say that will be familiar to you. If you're from another country, um, welcome you know, to Canada. And uh, this is what we talk about. And it's always very profound whenever we say this. I'm learning to be instead of do. It's like, whoa, that's deep. I don't get what you just meant, but it sounds deep. And I'm, I'm learning to move from doing, which is all about image, to being, which is all about authenticity. So the idea here is that um, I know that image is fake and that it's weighing me down and I feel condemned because I never live up to the image that I hope I would be and I judge you because you never do either and so I've got to get rid of all that. So I am going to move over to this other side and it's called being. Isn't that special? And so we're just going to be. We're not going to do things that are insincere. We're just going to be authentically real and be ourselves and in the hopes that we'll lose all the condemnation and judgmentalism and that we'll be able to live in a place number one of self-acceptance and number two of accepting others just for who we are not for the ways that we're performing so this is a very popular way of thinking and it has lots of merit to it the primarily uh, it's about being true and real and not being fake. Well, that's outstanding. Who wants to be fake? Well, I mean, I think we all want to be fake, but... But here's the problem with this being-doing idea. Um, the Bible says that our self-image, our presentation of ourselves, is, in fact, an authentic reflection of our hearts. Luke 6.45 says this, The mouth speaks what the heart is full of. The mouth, uh, how we present ourselves, what we say, our, our controlled image, is actually an accurate representation of what's in our heart. Well, this is troublesome because we thought that the problem was being image-based, but actually there's a deeper problem and it's being identity-based when that identity is not great. I mean, the truth is that, uh, you know, what comes, out of our heart, what comes out of our mouth is really a reflection of what's inside of us. And to, so, to simply say, uh, I'm going to be sincere or authentic, you could be sincerely not nice <laughs> and authentically mean and self-centered, genuinely so. But you're not really any farther ahead, are you? You know, I think about uh, uh, times in my life, and maybe you've, you've done this as well, I, I remember also um, a person that I, I, I know quite well. He owns a business, and he has a bit of a temper. <clears throat> and so, uh, so he'll say to me, he says, you know, I really get upset with my employees. I don't like that about myself. And so I'm really, I'm really trying uh, to be a nicer person. And so I, I, I visit him in his, you know, his business, and uh, you can just see him barely hanging on to his image, <laughs> like just, it's okay, it's okay, <laughs> and he's just, he's trying to be nice, but they're jerks and not doing what he says, and I don't know, how to. and then he just exhales, and then, you know, 
says things that will not be repeated from a pulpit. Uh, but there's this idea that eventually, you know, you stand in a mirror and you, you, you suck in everything, and, uh, and then, but eventually you have to exhale. And, uh, and this is the reality of image versus identity. You can only maintain an image so long and then you have to exhale. Because reality has a way of catching up with us. So, if it's not enough just to leave image and embrace identity, what's the gospel solution? And the word gospel simply means the Christian message. Or what does Jesus offer as opposed to the popular solutions that are being offered for us to get out of this fake identity kind of living? And it's this, that we would look up for our identity instead of out or in. That we would look up instead of out or in. Or in. Now, uh, uh, I think that we know, even though we all still live this way, I think that we know that trying to, to discover who we are by looking out can have problems. That people's opinions of us are not the best source of building an identity upon. I think we get that, right? that you, you have different kinds of people who have all different kinds. It'll drive you crazy trying to live up to everybody's expectations or trying to form an identity based on, on others' opinions of us. Uh, in Western society, we've chosen, because we've seen the, uh, the unhealth, although it can be argued, but anyways, the unhealth of trying to be uh, what other people want and portray that image, build an identity off of that, we try to go inside. And we've already tried to explain how looking in could maybe not be any more helpful than looking out. Because what's in isn't really any greater. Maybe even it's more disturbing. And so the solution, if, if you've been around church at all, you'll know this. The solution is to look up. To say, Father, who do you say that I am? And this is a, a much more profound way of thinking. Uh, but there's a problem with this. Uh, it doesn't seem to make much sense in a moment. If I'm struggling with behaving in a particular way, um, I'm, being, I'm being overcome with temptation. I want to lose my temper. I want to be self-centered. Uh, what typically comes into my mind, and when I meet with people inside of the church, what comes into uh, our minds, I think, is not, wow, I should really work on my identity of being in Jesus. I'm not thinking about that. I'm thinking, I should be better right now. I should just try harder to be a nicer person and suppress what I'm feeling. That's what I think is the most obvious and meaningful uh, response to me not looking good right now in this moment, either before God or before others. I think it's super hard to connect this idea of identity with getting free from being a law-based, condemned, judgmental person. But I would say to you that it really is our journey. In Genesis 1.26, it supports this idea that we're all made in God's image. In the image of God, he, he, he made us, male and female, he created us. And so uh, we're all made in the image of God. We're made to reflect him. Uh, 
So I don't know if you've noticed, but we all don't look a whole lot like Jesus sometimes. What's going on there? Well, the only way that we can reflect him is if our identity is in him. And where our identity is in him, then what comes out of us is stuff that looks like him. Now, what is that thing, that identity in Jesus and who God says that we are, what is the kind of identity that enables us to be the kind of people that we hope we would be? And it's this. God's beloved son or daughter. God's beloved son or daughter. Now, you guys have, you know, if you've been in the church, you know that my father, my father died when I was a, a teenager. He was sick for at least 10 years before that. The primary reason why I became a, well, I didn't want to go to hell. That sounded nasty. So that was a big motivation. But the other more personal motivation is I wanted a heavenly father. I just wanted a father who knew me, and accepted me, that I could talk with, that I wouldn't feel judged by, and he didn't feel a million miles away. I wanted a dad that I didn't have to help, because I had to help my dad physically. He couldn't walk, or by the end of his life, he could barely talk. Uh, I wanted a dad who could actually be there for me, not me just being there for my dad. So when I became a Christian, this dramatically transformed my life that the image that I was trying to portray was no longer compensating for the lack of a father. Trying to look good, trying to hope that you'd like me because I'm not sure if I like myself, all that, right? That I'm not compensating for that anymore because I now have a father who knows me better than any earthly father, yet thoroughly accepts me and defines me according to my relationship with him. And I tell you, it's life-changing. I, uh, a few months ago, actually a number of months ago now, this year, but a number of months ago, God, I believe, gave to me a promise. And I'm not sure, I, I, it's just the best that I could understand. He gave me a promise, and it was quite an audacious promise. And here's how I received God's promises. So I don't know if you've read the Bible, but there's a bunch of promises in there. Uh, you're going to be made new. You're going to be full of peace and joy. Really good stuff. Now, here's what I do when I hear a promise. I go, how am I going to become good enough in order to receive that gift? It's the first thing that goes through my mind. And so I literally spent months condemning myself with a promise because I knew deep in my heart that I was never going to be good enough to receive that promise. And so I know this is crazy thinking. I, I, I get it. Welcome to my world, right? But, uh, but, I'm, but I'm realizing the more you want to bless me, the more I'm discovering how sick and evil I really am and how will I ever be able to receive your goodness. This is where I'm at. And so, literally, I am tormented for months. 
And then I'm, I'm praying, thinking about this, well, like I'm thinking about it all the time, but thinking about it again. And then I believe God speaks to me, and he says this phrase, and it was meaningful to me, I don't know if it'll be for you, but this is what he says to me. He says, will you trust in my relationship with you? And this was earth-shattering for me, because I know what my relationship is with him. I'm his son, and he's my father. And never, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a father to a number of children. And never do I go, are you really my son? Do we need a DNA? Like, are we, uh, you know, I have never thought, I've never thought of that. Because I am thoroughly confident that you're my kid. And what that does for me is it took the, it shifted my focus off of who I felt I needed to be and to look like in order to be loved and blessed by him to simply receiving an identity that says, uh, I'm your father and I've committed myself to you and there's nothing that can change that. There's nothing that can change. Now, this is obvious, is it not? There's nothing that can change who your parents are. Like, I mean, have a go. It's, you can change your name. You can do, it doesn't matter. You know, we do have DNA tests. And uh, it's just, it is who you are. And here we have an entire culture trying to figure out who they are. And our Heavenly Father is tapping us on the shoulder and going, you're my son. You're my daughter. What are you doing? Do you know how to rest in the relationship that I have with you? And if you rest in that relationship, it will dramatically change how you behave. Dramatically. But if your identity is in something less than being my son, then what comes out of your mouth is always going to be a little self-serving, a little weird, and uh, best kept to yourself. I think the church thoroughly underestimates the power of a God-given identity. I mean, preachers preach it on a Sunday, but once, you, once I finish talking, you're not thinking about your identity. You're thinking about how you're going to perform in any given moment. What would be the appropriate thing to say? Or, I don't care about the appropriate thing to say. I'm going to say whatever I want. But whatever it is, you're working through something other than who you are in him. And I think, uh, for those of you who call yourself Christians, we as the church need to figure out how transforming our identity in Christ really is. Uh, there's a phrase that I read this week that I just love. Um, and it says, we are a son in the son. And the second son is capital S. We're a son in the son. We're a son or daughter in Jesus Christ. And that is the safest, most secure, life-giving, significant place we could ever live. 
I've, 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 I've said this before, and uh, maybe it's helpful again. I remember when we started this church, and uh, some of you started calling me Pastor Greg. And I remember the first thing uh, that I thought was, stop it. I don't call you Plumber Bob. Don't call me Pastor Greg. It was weird. I'm just a guy, and we're just all trying to serve Jesus and, and you know, figure out this thing together. So don't do that. And then I discovered it was false humility. Because I didn't want to live up to the image that I thought a pastor should be because I knew I would fail. I knew I would fail. And I have. If you get to know me, you'll see that. But then, a prophet comes and tells me that my father has called me to be a pastor. And I let that identity rest on me. And as I received who my father has called me to be, I become better in my behaviors. Not because I'm controlling the image of who a pastor should be, I'm resting in who my father says I am. Now there's a better definition to describe us than pastor or prophet or teacher. It's Christian. And what if you would let that rest on you? That I am a son, I am a follower of Jesus. This is my identity. This is who I am. And so when other people come and try to put false identities on me, when I feel as though I'm not living up to the expectation of God or others or whatever else, I go back to remembering who I am, not just what I do. Who he says I am, not just who I think I am. And it changes everything. Romans 8, I think, can be a summary of this sermon. And here's what it says. Therefore, there is now no condemnation, or can I add, judgment. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There's an identity that we have in the Son, a Son in the Son. There's an identity that we have there that delivers us from condemnation. It just sets us free from it. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death, of judgment, and never being good enough. And then in verse 15, the Spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. I cannot think of a better identity than being a son or daughter of the living God. How do, you, how do you trump that? I'm God's son. The one who spoke the world into existence. I'm a son. You're a son or daughter. And you're, we're insecure? But what? What? It's ridiculous when you know who you are. It's ridiculous. In conclusion, the Christian journey is not about image management. Man, do I want, if you call yourself a Christian, would you please hear this? Well, not as well. 
Would we stop, Christians, stop performing for the world? Everybody sees through it anyways, so don't even bother trying. And what's attractive in your life is not your perfection, it's your need of Jesus. Let's stop trying to pretend to be something that we're not. Let's exhale as the church. We were only tricking ourselves anyways. The Christian journey is not about image management. It's about knowing who we are, or more specifically, whose we are. And when you know who your father is, it'll change your life. How do you know when you forget that? You know because you become condemned and judgmental. That's how you know. So let me ask you, where do you feel condemned and judgmental? Do you feel like that in, the, in your workplace, where you just never feel good enough? Uh, do you feel like that at home, where people just don't value you for who you are? Uh, do you feel it when you come to church? Do you feel it when you're trying to make new friends and you have to present yourself really well, or if you're trying to go out on a date? <clears throat> These become clues the condemnation that we feel and the judgment that we feel towards others become clues that we've not yet rested in that place. We've not yet rested in our identity in Christ. And so I am imploring you, when you feel condemned and judged, don't get better. Remember your identity. Please, don't try to get better. It's tiring and it never works. Remember your identity, and out of that place of peace, you receive God's blessings. You receive his peace and joy, and then what comes out of your mouth is beautiful and authentic and genuine, and you weren't trying. You were just bearing the image of who God has made you to be. Can you say amen to that? Let's pray. Actually, before we pray, I want to say one more thing. Um, I could pray it, but I'd rather just tell you. Being a son or daughter is not a feeling, it's a reality. If my kids say to me, you don't feel like my dad, sorry, steal your dad. Feeling has very little to do with identity. Feeling comes out of identity. And so don't wait to feel something. Like, am I, you know, is he, am I feeling like a son or... I don't know if I am yet. I don't know how a son or daughter feels. It's, it's true. Father, would you let us believe who you say we are? We've tried to fabricate an image. We've tried a sense of security, uh, our authenticity and identity that's not been in you. But Father, I pray that we would forsake all false identities and that we would choose to be known in you. Father, I thank you that it's enough to be the son and daughter of the living God. This is enough for us to withstand the judgments that come, 
from without and within to be able to find peace and joy in whatever life brings. Deliver us through the work of your Son. Amen.